0: Welcome to an enlightening podcast from islampodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit islampodcasts.com for engaging
1: discussions.
0: Assalamualaikum.
1: alaykum. alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: I got myself stuck in a hook. Does that mean Hello slow Okay, shall sure, we'll stop. Okay. 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 Okay, Shaw. Sure, it's like a slow Okay, yeah, yeah, Uh should we start?
1: Yeah, stop sharing.
0: Yeah, stop sharing. Okay. Hawla Billahi min Shaitan ar-Rajeem. Bismillah, Rahmaan, Rahim. Salaam, brothers and sisters. I'd like to uh, welcome you all to another session here. Uh, today, Alhamdulillah, we have uh, Brother Yahya Nesbit, and, and uh, the discussion today is the betrayal of Palestine signals the beginning of the end of the betrayers. So, I'm sure, as we're all aware, over the last few weeks and months, the Zionist entity termed Israel has is, uh, been trying to normalize relations uh, with the Muslim lands. And the cowardly Muslim leaders have cowered lower than low in order to please their masters. And we've seen them falling over each other, trying to sign these ridiculous agreements uh, with a Zionist entity and with America. And this is a precious land for us as Muslims. This is the land of Israel and Miraj This is a land uh, that Umar bin Khattab opened up to, go to Islam. Um, this is a land in which Muslim blood has been spilt. Uh, this is Darul Islam, the land of Islam And uh, as we know from Islam, the injunction on Darul Islam is that not even a hand span of that land should ever be given away uh, Because it belongs to the Ummah, it belongs to all of us Not just to the Palestinians, um, not just to those who live in that region, but to the entire Ummah uh, The Prophet وسلم told us that Biladul Wahid, the land is one Ummatan Wahid, the Ummah is one and Harb wahid the battle is won. So we are one Ummah above anything else. So this land is precious to us. So how can we even think or even conceive of giving it away? So inshallah today hopefully uh, Brother Yahya will be able to give us an understanding of how we should react in this situation and what we need to do to stop these cowardly leaders um, uh, selling uh, uh, Islam and selling the Muslims. Um, inshallah. Over to you Yahya, and if
1: you can just bear with me one moment, I just need to press record. Okay, go ahead inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Alhamdulillah, Rabbil alamin. Wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulil Karim wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Alhamdulillah, so inshallah, as the brother mentioned, we're going to talk about the signing of the peace, um, well, it's a kind of a recognition. It's not a peace deal as such. It's a it's a treaty that recognises the Zionist occupation of Palestine. The, the, there's there's a, there's a long background, and we're not going to retrace the whole of the history, but just briefly. On the 13th of August this year, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain they agreed that they're going to recognise Israel. Effectively, they made the deal, and on the 15th they had 15th of September. I last week they had the signing ceremony. Uh, at the white house in uh, in 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 washington in in united states so this is the land that Rasulullah allah وسلم, traveled to on the isra and the miraj the the journey into the into the heavens it is a blessed land and it's mentioned in the quran specifically it says Subhanallah, <laughs> asra bi 'abdihi al masjid al haram al al Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, subhana, glorify he or the one who took his servant on a night journey um, from Masjid al-Harami, from the Masjid of Haram, the the, the, the Masjid in Makkah, all the way to al Masjid al-Aqsa, to the furthest Masjid, the furthest mosque, alladhi barakna hawla, the, the, that we have blessed its surroundings. We call this Bait al-Maqdis, this whole area, Palestine and the surrounding region is called Bait al-Maqdis, because this is the land which is, uh, uh, you know, which is blessed, you know. And uh, it's it's like a, effectively, you know, often in English they call it the Holy Land. It's the land where the prophets prayed. It's the land where the prophets, you know, went to. It's 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 a special place for humanity, but particularly for Muslims, it's a very special place. Masjid al-Aqsa itself was, um, you know, built by the Prophet Sulaiman, I believe, and alayhi salam, and you know it is the first Qibla. it was the Qibla for 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 the jews but it's also the Qibla for the muslims prior to uh makkah masil al haram in makkah becoming the qibla so it's a special place that's important to know now the, the the so but there's something more important about this this treaty um in that it recognizes the occupation of palestine so palestine for the muslims are already you know we're finding it difficult to accept that this land has been occupied this blessed land the land that was opened um to islam and islam has been the 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 you know been the dominant force there for all of the you know for all of the centuries since however the um the um the, the what is important for us to to to, to recognize is that there's something also that all humanity should find a problem with this occupation of Palestine, and it is the fact that there is a great injustice the fact that there was a there, there was a system of justice which was Islam was the Khilafah for many centuries then that was removed by the British that was re, um, also it was removed during the the, the the Crusaders time and it was removed for a long period and 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 the land of Palestine was occupied then and then the Muslims took it back again and then it was it was ruled over with Islam. And then the British, after the Second World War, or sorry, the First World War, occupied the land and it fell into, you know, the colonialist hands. And a colonialist project called the Zionist Entity, or, you know, they call it Israel, but prior to that it was the British Mandate in Palestine, um, was, w- was set up in order to, you know, to, to perpetuate this occupation, to solidify it and to consider it as a, uh, as, as, as a normal fact, you know, that all the world should now recognize so many of the states of the world did recognise this occupation officially and say we now recupi- recognise the state which was implanted, imposed upon the people there as the as, as the, the official state, the true, the real state that you know the state that we're going to interact with. But most of the Arab regimes didn't accept it, and in fact there were a number of wars fought against the Zionist occupation. You know, in in the mind of the Arab, um, the Arab people, it was to to liberate Palestine, but in reality, we find. That it was it was part of the betrayal, the agents of um Sadat particularly but also King Hussein Jordan, um, you know, Assad in Hafiz of Assad in uh in, in Syria. Their war in fact was 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 per- deliberately, you know, short in its scope in order to um, you know, to recognize, to in order to end in the Camp David deal, which was the first, you know, the regime the Egyptian regime signed a a a, a deal to recognise um, you know the the, the the occupation of Palestine. So this is the this is this is, this was the first of those kind of treaties, and then followed that in the nineties, um, King Hussein of uh, of Jordan, the Wadi Arab Agreement, then the Oslo Accord. I also signed at the White House, but you know it was negotiated by the Europeans in Oslo. This is where the PLO, who became the Palestinian Authority, Fatah. Um, they uh, recognised, you know, the the occupation, and they they were satisfied to have a Palestinian state next to it. And of course, the Turkish, you know, Turkish regime has had defence, economic, diplomatic ties with them for 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 many many years. So until this day, there was not a lot of recognition. But slowly, you see, find more of these regimes are starting to recognise that occupation. Now, the fact is, it is an occupation. The fact is that that land has been taken from its people by force without their choice, without their consent. And, 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 and a new system has been imposed upon them. And it is not only that. It's a new system which treats the original citizens as second class citizens by all standards of human justice. It's unjust. You know, it gives favor. It's, it's, it is, uh, you know, it is specifically a religious state where only, um, people of a certain religion get a, get a favored position. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that anybody could call a just system. So anybody who stands up for justice, anybody who sees injustice and wants to remove an injustice, should be on the side of the Palestinians and the Muslims wanting to return Palestine back to the Palestinian people and to remove the Zionist occupation. But on top of that, for Muslims, it's more than that because it's, it's close, closely connected to our Aqidah. So, the, so, so the reality is there's been a number of um, treaties, a number of recognising, right, uh, um, you know, deals to recognise the Zionist occupation, and this is just the latest of them. The, the you know, when we're looking at uh, the moment with Bahrain and United Emir- Emirates, it has a, a particular context which we're going to go into in a moment, which you know, kind of um, set, sets the scene. It is, it is. It is part of the current politics of the region you know particularly with america in its in its situation where it has lost a lot of um its influence across the world um and at the same time it is trying to reinvigorate its and reassert itself in the region so that it has a has as a more of a direct influence so more of the, the the traditional colonization which is where you know everybody knows that america is in fact you know calling the shots before that, America was kind of behind the scenes with many of its agents. Britain would be behind the scenes, but now it's coming out more in the open that these agents, these rulers of the Muslim lands, are really—they're—they're they're not actually um, making any real pretense that they're actually serving the people. There's a there's a small amount of it. It's not actually explicit yet, but it's—it's it's to the point where you know the the, the 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 feelings of the people is almost ignored, and and that is the situation we find here in this Bahrain, UAE, you know. Um, Alliance, you know to to recognize uh, This occupation of 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 Palestine the Zionist occupation is that it is completely out of sync with what the people are after what the people want You know this isn't this this hasn't come as a result of the, the 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 people of the Emirates or the people of Bahrain demanding that we normalize our relations further and make them absolutely solid diplomatic relations with Palestine they're not desperate to go to to Tel Aviv. They're not desperate to go to you know Sharm el Sheikh on their holiday. That's that's not the way. You know the um, that's not that's that's not the reality. This has come from outside. This has been imposed upon the rulers as much as it's being imposed upon the, the 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 people of the land, people of Bahrain and uh, and 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 the United Arab Emirates. And we're likely to see more of this. You know, it's we're, we're told that more of these states are going to um. Uh, you know, are, are 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 getting ready, are kind of joining the queue. Kuwait, Saudi, Sudan, Morocco, Mauritania. You know, there's a list now. You know, it it almost surprises people that Saudi should be on that list. The King officially, you know, um, it, I've been reading reports this week that the King officially, King King Salman is is officially saying that, uh, you know, not until the Palestinian state exists and 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 has been established will he recognise, but that his son, MBS, you know, is, is likely to, you know, is, is, is basically proposing and, and talking up the idea of, of recognizing early before the Palestinian state ever comes into, into existence. So this is the whole, the whole point. This is the, the justification that, that led to the, the signing of this and, and the excuse that was given by Bahrain and the United Emirates to its own people and to the world. Why did you do it? And they claim that this will prevent the further annexation of Palestinian land into the hands of the Zionist occupation. So here's the crazy logic. This is completely twisted. The whole of that occupation, the whole of the land that they name is Israel, the whole of that entity, that Zionist entity, is already occupied land. And they're saying by recognizing that stolen land, we're going to prevent more of it being stolen, by some more settlements and so on and so forth because you know the settlement project of netanyahu and has been a continual process for all of the the zionist you know um governments they've continually tried to take more and more land and, and settle more and more people and and take more and more of the west bank so it's become a it's become a you know a a, um, a a point of like you know a a, stu- a a stubbornness that you cannot be seen to be weak in front of your own people you must not back down well so this, um, so one of the, the clauses in this agreement was that the the the, um, the occupations would be put on hold, and that's what Netanyahu he said. He said he would postpone the annexation. I postponed it for the you know the immediate future. At the moment, he is you know implicated in corruption scandals at home. He's also you know you know like all of the leaders of the world who've shown their ineptitude and their incompetence at dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. They also, you know, he he, he's getting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of flack, a lot of heat from from his from the alternative, sorry, the opposition or politicians at home. So he needs a distraction. So this is kind of a distraction, and there's a big benefit for him in uh, in this. But he's not signing up to the ending of annexation. He's not saying we're going to make the border here. This is the Palestinian state, and it's going to be fixed in stone. Nobody's agreed to that. So even the 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 purported claim of the United Arab Emirates and the and, and the Bahrain that they're going to somehow prevent the the further annexation and establish a Palestinian Palestinian state. It's it's a fantasy. It's unlikely to to have any real effect other than in in the immediate short short term. You know, in fact, the U.S. Ambassador Freeman says it does not change the plans to annex areas of the West Bank. And this is this is the U.S. ambassador who is you know known to be very very friendly with the Israeli state, uh, the Zionist occupation. There, he is uh, you know. He's coming openly and saying that, uh, you know, this isn't actually going to change anything. So there's one thing to say in front of your own people. I.e. The Bahrainis, the UAE, you know, they get to say and claim that they are, um, they are you know, um, you know they're, they're, this, is, this is somehow in the interests of the Palestinian people. But in reality, it's nothing like that. And, and, and you'd have to be particularly naive to believe that anything good would happen out of this, which is beneficial to the Palestinian people. So then the real question is is why why are the UAE and Bahrain going for this? It's 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 nothing more than the fact that they're afraid they've been you know they've been um talked into fearing the the Iranian threat by the Americans and it's been hyped up so much that they need American protection and Trump has effectively offered them the deal you cannot refuse you know you support this or we let the you know you 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 won't see our protection and they're petrified they're petrified they believe that they have no strength you know, and these leaders themselves, they're cowardless, backboneless, you know, they are cowards who have no backbone, and they um, they believe that they have no strength without America, and that is the lie that's been, purport, you know, propagated throughout the world, that somehow America is the guarantor of peace in the Middle East, when of course it isn't, and it isn't, there's no actual reality to that, and, and and. but more importantly, these rulers of the of the Muslim lands, the Palestine, Bahrain, and all of the others who've already been normalizing their relationships with the Zionist occupation. They have no other goals, they have no no purpose other than enriching themselves and living a luxurious life, staying in power. They have no objective, they have no political will for the region, they have no plan of how to shape the region, how to solve the problem of Palestine. They don't know how to do it, and so they can only look to the United States because their existence is meaningless they're not there to serve allah subhanahu wa taala they're not there to 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 bring betterment to the people of the region they're not there to you know to, to to carry the da'wah to the whole world as an islamic ruler should be that's not the reason they exist they exist merely to serve the western interest in the first place they were put there and they can they 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 stay there so long as they serve the western interest the moment they stop doing that then you will see what happens to them mubarak he thought he was in power in egypt for 30 you know he was there for 30 years and he thought he was unstoppable, America found that he was no longer useful to them, so he was thrown, thrown out, literally thrown out. As were all of the other r- r- rulers during the Arab Spring, as has happened in Pakistan, as has happened in Sudan, as has happened all over the world. American agents are thrown away when they're no longer useful. So this is the kind of fear that these agents have, is that if they stop being useful to their master, to America, then they fear that they're going to be replaced any, you know, a- immediately or anytime soon. So, of course, this is not in the interest of the people of Bahrain. It's not in the interest of the people of Saudi, of the Muslims, of the whole Ummah. There is no benefit in recognizing the occupation of Palestine. This is no benefit to all people of the world who stand up for justice. If you recognize this, this is one of the most flagrant, open injustices in the world, and it has been for a long time. If you recognize this and make a compromise on your principles and value at this point, then there really is no hope of ever standing up against a tyrant ever again. All tyrants of the world will understand that they can get away with it because the world has given up on, on standing up to tyranny. And that is the call of the Muslims in reality. That is our call. We're saying you should stand up for justice. You should stand up to account those who are corrupt. You should stand up and make your voice heard. And we say that to all the world, not just the Muslims, but particularly the Muslims should be standing up because we are the ones who have the revelation. We are the ones who have received the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are the ones who have Uswat and Hasana, the great example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who stood up to the injustice of Quraysh, and stood up to the injustice of the Byzantines, the Romans. He stood up to the injustice of, of, of Persia. He stood up to injustice across the world and he gave the example and his Sahaba continued that. And the Ummah continued and continued and continued until we stopped doing that. Until we as an ummah allowed ourselves to be occupied by the colonialists, we'd given up on standing up against injustice. We'd accepted unjust rulers over us and we'd stopped organizing our opposition. Alhamdulillah, there's always been some who stood up. There's always been some, but we became few, a small number. And it's time for the Muslim ummah to recognize that you have a responsibility, that the true strength and power comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We say it all the time, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. We say there is no power and might except Allah. We don't say there is no power and might except the United States. We say there is no power and might except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all the strength comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all we have to do is stand up and be counted. All we have to do is stand up for, for justice and then justice can prevail. But the moment we take our mind off of that, the moment we stop standing up for justice and accept injustice, well, some benefit for some compromise, then you'll see a big change. And that's what we've seen in the world today. We've seen the Americans have stopped accounting their rulers. They have Trump, the most corrupt, the most, you know, damaging to themselves, let alone to the world. The worst of the rulers who's ever come to rule over America. And there's no accountability for him. They stopped accounting him, just like in Britain. They stopped accounting Boris. Boris Johnson, the prime minister. They came to power and, uh, you know, it, it came, you know, he, he broke the law. I mean, let's not go through all the details, but he broke the law when it came to power, and he continued to break the law, and he's threatening to continue, continue to break the law, and nobody's accounting. They signed themselves so many powers over the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, they exploited it to the max to get the maximum benefit out of the suffering of the people. To the point is, they literally do absolutely anything they want, and there's no accountability. And the truth is, the, the, the normal mechanisms of accountability in these so-called democracies have proved themselves to be unreal, not 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 fit for purpose, because they couldn't and they can't, and they have no actual way of accounting the the rulers, and they so they don't, and so therefore we see unaccountable rulers running across the world, you know, completely as if they they, they own the place. Now we've seen that for the last hundred years throughout the Middle East, we've seen dictators placed there, propped up by the um, by the Western regimes. And, we can, uh, and and, and, and they, they, they have been unaccounted by their own people, so the Muslims have, 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 have stopped accounting these rulers, have accepted dictatorship over them, and the, so, so the Western plans have prevailed, like the occupation of Palestine, and yet there hasn't been an effective opposition to, 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 to stand in, in the face of the Western plans, except when some individuals, some small groups... Some, some, you know, some brave people from the Ummah have stood up to account these rulers. But again, it's been too few in number. And so that is our mighty task, is to unify the Ummah to stand up and truly account, to truly remove. So Palestine will not be solved, the occupation of Palestine will not be solved by a handful of individuals standing up to oppose the occupation. It will only be solved when we see the, 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 the Ummah that surrounds Palestine The whole of that ummah that surrounds Palestine, the ummah in Jordan, the ummah in Syria, the ummah in Turkey, the ummah in Lebanon, the ummah in Egypt, when they stand up to say, we're going to solve this. Now, we're not talking about individuals here, lots and lots of individuals shouting their opposition in the streets. We're talking about a state occupation requires a state response. So there needs to be a state that's willing to respond. The Syrian state, the Turkish state, the Lebanese state, the Jordanian state, the Egyptian state. All of these states and the states further further afield, they do not have any political will to respond. So we've not seen a response. We've seen only capitulation. We've seen empty words. We've seen you know you know uh, crocodile tears. But we've not seen an actual change. We've not seen even a will to bring a change. We've seen only a will to bring in a Palestinian state. So this is Trump's plan. This has been Trump's plan. This has been America's plan for a long time. It wasn't always America's plan, but it became the adopted plan you know, over the last uh, few decades, that they adopt what is known as the two-state solution. So the, the the Zionist occupation state, and and really it's a shame to call it a state. It's too weak and it's too pathetic to call it a state. So we call it an entity in reality, kian, you know, in Arabic. And the Palestinian state or entity next to it, you know, and somehow the the security of the Palestinians is secured by the benevolence of the, the, the the Zionist occupation, who, you know, who have absolutely shown no goodwill and and no desire for peace whatsoever up to this point. You know, somehow we're supposed to believe the fantasy that they will secure this um, you know, this state because the Palestinians are not going to be allowed to have their own standing army. They're not going to be allowed to actually have any any true, you know, statehood or or, or you know any independence in reality. They will always be subservient to their to their master next door. But this is the, the grand plan. This is America's plan. This is what they call peace in the Middle East. This is what the Bahrainis, United Arab Emirates, the Saudis, the Turkish, the, um, the Egyptians, the Jordanians, this is what everybody's calling for. This is what they've signed up to. And it's, it is injustice. It is not peace. This will never lead to peace. This will just lead to oppression of the same kind we're seeing today. And it will be continued oppression. But for America, for Trump, it's it's short termism. There's no long term plan here. In reality, this is just a short term benefit to Trump, just like the 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 you know the 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 charade, you know the 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 the, the fake. You know, it's this, this theatrical of um, of moving the the the, Brit- the the American embassy to to Al Quds, out of Tel Aviv, and to Al Quds, you know, as a symbolic gesture. You know, Trump himself went on record and he said, you know, we, you know we, we we you know the he said. He said the Jews in the in 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 you know he called it Israel said the Jews there they um they're not that excited as much as the the Americans you know the the evangelicals said he said you know why we did this we did this for the evangelicals so that that actually exposes his mentality one hundred percent he is do does these actions because he's worried about winning the next election and that is his support group what's called in America the Bible Belt is these ultra extreme you know, Christian evangelicals who kind of like they, they, they welcome the occupation of Palestine because they believe this brings on, um, brings closer Armageddon, which is the end of times, which is the coming of Isa, alayhi salam. What they don't understand and they don't recognize is that when Isa, alayhi salam, comes back, he'll come back as a Muslim. He'll come back under the command of the Khalifa. So the Khilafah has to exist first prior to the, to, to the return of Isa, alayhi salam. That's something many Muslims also, you know, s- s- seem to forget when they talk about this these ahadith, which talk about the coming and uh, the, the end of times and so on and so forth. But that is the mentality of many, you know, very extreme, uh, you know, Christians in America. They have great hope in uh, in, in, in in this kind of occupation and this oppression because they care neither for the Jews nor do they care for the um, to the Palestinians, the Muslims. There, they care for nobody but themselves. And they're so convinced and they're so fanatical about this, this, this supporting this occupation that they see Trump as the their great leader, even though he's an idiot. You know, you cannot say any other words about this man, you know, other than he's just short-termist and he's a fool. But if you understand he, you know, who he's trying to speak to, he speaks to people who also are extremely foolish and easy to be fooled. So therefore, he speaks at their level. He speaks at the level that they want to hear. So he supports racists openly. He, so he, he opposes any move which brings racist policemen to account. You would think that would make him unpopular, and it does. It makes him unpopular for a large proportion of America. But the people that he wants to win the vote from, it makes him more popular because they are racist, because they do not care about the rest of humanity, because they have their own agenda, and it's a sick agenda. So this is the this is the kind of people that he's, 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 he's trying to win the support of. And hence we see this kind of deal, this kind of quickly get any kind of success related to, um, you know, the Palestinian peace process. This is his mentality. And then he can lord it over the, the opposition and he can say, coming up to the election, which is coming up in, a, in, a, in, in almost just, a, well, just, just over a month's time to say, look, you know, I'm the one who brought you peace in the Middle East. Look, look how I've, I've brought more than, than all of the previous presidents for the last 30, 40 years. He'll say something like that. This is the logic, so you know trump's style is the is is, is as he called it the you know the well he 's called it the deal of the century it's it 's called you know it 's got some long winded title but in reality it's uh you know it's um it's not much different other than that Trump is the one who's dictating to everyone you have to have to accept it it's the it's the offer you cannot refuse you know if 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 you know people may recognize a, a reference from you know, from a very, very old movie long time ago about a, a horse's head was put in somebody's his bed. A, you know, a, horse's, a horse was decapitated and was put in somebody's, somebody's bed as a threat to them, meaning unless you obey me, you're gonna, what's going to happen to this horse is going to happen to you. And that was described as an offer you cannot refuse. Now, this is, all, this is very, very well known through American culture. So when America, American president says this is an offer you cannot refuse, he's referring to that movie, that film that incident and that's the way he sees himself as a gangster as a businessman who who, who negotiates hard meaning he takes no prisoners prisoners he he will you know he he has no qualms about cheating you every step of the way of lying continually to get what he wants and that's his style that isn't a style that we were used to we 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 were told that america had some kind of honor had some kind of like human rights respect and, and had some kind of you know they were on the right side of history that's all been thrown out of the window now. With Trump coming in, we're seeing nothing but this, this um, hegemony and it's really, really open. And alhamdulillah, the Muslims have become acutely aware of how bad America is for them, of how meaningless a democracy is, of how it has no real basis, even in their own land, the home of democracy, America, Britain, France. It has absolutely no value even for those people. So what value is it going to have for us who've merely inherited it? So all of those movements that used to promote democracy throughout the 80s and the 90s, they're pretty silent now because it's, it's a dirty word. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It means the, the oppression of the mighty over the weak. It means might is right. And it just means more oppression. And that's what it's become to mean, as it means here in the West, it means that in the Middle East and in the Muslim countries. So we're looking for a change. But that change is no longer democracy. Democracy was an unnatural system. It was a system that was trying to be imposed upon us from outside. It had no place in the Muslim lands. We never went through a European, um, you know, uh, enlightenment, as they call it. We never went through this kind of dark ages, middle ages, and then finally the, you know, the, the, their so-called enlightenment or their reformations, which led to their revival and so on. We never went through anything like that. We never saw that. We didn't live under the, that serfdom and then the capitalism, we, we we didn't live under any of that. And so it's unnatural for the Muslims to, to to adopt a capitalist solution, which was a pretty bad solution even for the Europeans by their own standard. But they consider it's the best solution at the time and the best one they've got to this date. The Muslims always had Islam. We always had the example of Rasulullah وسلم. We always had overwhelming support for the rule of Islam amongst the people. We still do. The Muslims will respect and look to Islam before they look to any other source to solve their problems that's the normal muslim on normal daily life they turn to allah when you see when you see a crisis you see people returning back to allah they're looking for guidance from the quran and sunnah this is our normal mentality it is only because we've had fake politicians we've had impo- you know colonialist agents we've had academics who have besotted, uh, uh, besotted and obsessed with western academia trying to try trying to like you know to, to try to dirty the name of Islam and talk up democracy and human rights and all other fake ideas and false, false ideologies that come from the West. That's the only reason we were fooled for a short period by, by, by these, 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 these such ideas and such solutions. But no more, the Muslims don't look to that anymore. So, number one, the Muslims don't accept the Zionist occupation, and they never will. The Muslims don't accept the Western solution, whether a Palestinian state or, a, you know, or any other kind of state. In all, all of this is an occupation, and it's unacceptable for a Muslim to 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 look to that, and it's unacceptable to a Muslim to look to a secular solution now. So the only option really for Muslims is to turn back to Islam and say, what does Islam say as is a solution? And of course, it is the ruling of Islam, it is the 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 the, the unified Islamic state, it is the Khilafah ala min it is the 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 Khilafah on the way of prophethood, and just to to you know to to, to, to point out how important this unification of the Muslim lands is to the solution of Palestine. We only need to look at what I mentioned earlier. The the over two hundred well over a hundred years, up to two hundred years of of um um you know the, the, the Crusades. They they came to the Muslim lands, Palestine, particularly the Levant region as they called it including Lebanon and they occupied it. Or they occupied large parts of it. So that land that is currently occupied today. The Zionists was previously occupied by the the Christian um, crusaders, and they set up kingdoms there, and and, and they were bloody, they were unjust, they they, they ruled over people with with injustice for, for over a century. And it was the Muslims that unified, it was only when the Muslim lands were unified under one emir with one objective, which was to remove the occupation, that then we saw a change, and the occupation was removed. So exactly the same scenario it's just practical reality we expect for the for to, 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 to solve the, the to solve um, the Zionist occupation of course we will be just we don't come with injustice the way the Zionists themselves come to us we will be just we will offer them the opportunity to leave but we will take that land back and return it back to its rightful owners and we'll rehouse and re resettle the people who have unjustly occupied it so our solution is the solution which is endorsed by Islam. It's the solution which is the only solution that could ever work, because it's the only solution that recognizes justice. Any other solution will recognize injustice, and it will be abnormal. So this talk that we see of normalization, which is what the, the real purpose of all of these peace treaties are, and um, recognizing of, of, of the occupation, is normalization. To make normal the existence of that occupation, so that people accept it and no longer look at it as a, as, 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 as a sore thumb sticking out, as something abhorrent and should be removed. That's the purpose of normalization. But it's normalizing the abnormal. It's completely abnormal. It's a completely alien entity. It doesn't come from the people. It wasn't born by a movement, by a popular uprising of the people, and therefore they have some attachment to it. It has been entirely imposed from the outside. Just like the British Raj could never have survived and continued in, in in India, and it was always going to come to an end, all occupations do. The Zionist occupation is an occupation. There is nothing other, no other way to describe it. The whole existence of of that entity there is an occupation, so it must come to an end because it's abnormal. So to normalize the abnormal is an impossibility, and that's the thing we need to really emphasise to people that this has got nothing to do. With, um, you know, with justice, it's got nothing to do and it should have nothing to do with the future of, of humanity. So really, I'm going to end the the presentation there. You know, our solution, as I said, has to be a state solution to solve the state problem, because, you know, even if we, you know, we talk it down and, and, and call it less than a state, because it, quite frankly, it hardly deserves to be called a state. But in reality, it it has the, you know, the mechanisms and the functioning of a state. And it's supported by other states from outside. And so therefore the, the real the, the real solution has to be a state which is powerful enough and large enough to to basically say, look, not just end the um the the, the 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 occupation, but also to tell those states which engineered the occupation in the first place, which is Britain, Europe, America and all of the other Western colonialist nations, to say to them, don't try this again. You know, this isn't your domain. This is not for you to keep keep trying. You need to end this 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 talk of occupation. I <laughs> 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 brother Yahya. Um, inshallah,
0: we'll open up the floor to any questions or comments you may have, brothers and sisters. Um, uh, inshallah, today we're uh, using specifically Facebook, um, so uh, the questions and comments will have to be written. Uh, So in the comment section, if you'd like to ask a question, you can put put in your written questions, inshallah, and I shall read them out. Um, While the brothers are uh, putting through their questions, uh, I'd just like to maybe ask you a few things myself. Um, For us as Muslims, it's actually forbidden to surrender Islamic land. And um, this concept of forbidding uh, uh, or surrendering Islamic land, um, uh, what, what does that actually mean? What is Islamic land? How do we define Islamic land?
1: So Muslim land, I mean, the land which is which has been ruled over by Islam. So, you know, there is, there is Dar al-Islam and there's Dar al-Kufr. That's the reality of the, the way Islam divides all land into two types. There is the land which has the authority and the security in the hands of the Muslims. Even if the majority of people are not Muslim, that's not important. The important authority and it rules with Islamic rules, and, and and security of course has to be in the Muslim lands as well, in the Muslim hands as well. In that case, we call that Dar al Islam. That's the land or the abode of Islam. It's where Islam is the is is Allah's word is the highest to to use another uh, phrase to say it. So the the superiority, the sovereignty in that land is for the Islamic Sharia. Hence, it becomes an Islamic land. Uh, having said that, if for example France were to adopt the Sharia but keep their current government exactly as they are, but just use the Islamic, Islamic rules, we wouldn't call that Dar al-Islam. Why? Because the security isn't in the hands of Muslims. So it's not an Islamic rule. It's just a rule which is imitating and mimicking the Islamic rule. So the Islamic rule, is, is, is it has to be established by the Muslims to call it Dar al-Islam. And this is what Rasulullah did in Medina. And they called it Dar al muhajireen and also you Dar know, al-Islam in, in other hadith uh, talk about that. And then anything other than that, and that is literally the rest of the world, is Dar al-Kufr, is the land where Islam is not, where disbelief, where, you know, the rejection of Islam is superior and, you know, or or, or the the authority and security is in the hands of other than the Muslims. Therefore, there is no existence for Islam, even though many of the people could be Muslim. So what we have in reality today is Dar al-Kufr across the whole world. That is because many, many Muslims live there, but... Who, who who the security is in whose hands? yes, Muslims nominally have the security except for it is in the name of a colonialist occupier so it does it for the purpose of the colonialists. so thats that's the reality and secondly, the rules themselves don't have any any relationship with Islam. they're all either democracies or dictatorships or kingdoms and nothing, none of that has got any relationship with Islam whatsoever. So we, it, we are in a situation today where all the world is Dar al-Kufr not Dar al-Islam? So there must be a Dar al-Islam first. We need to have first and foremost an Islamic state, and a, a, you know, a, a, a Khilaf al-Minhaajin Abu. As I said, the Khilafah which is on, built on the way of Prophethood, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And, and and once you have that, then of course you can start to say, right, that piece of occupied land, it can be returned back to Islam. And so you start to see, just like the the, the, the state of the Sahaba grew because it was annexing the lands next to it, offering them Islam and the people accepted, or offering them Islam and they were conquered. And then the important point was Islam prevailed. The people remained non-Muslim, that wasn't really the problem. Some of them became Muslims, the later generations of course became Muslims overwhelmingly, but to this day many non-Muslims have rem- remained in generation after generation, have remained in their lands. That isn't the problem, their rights were secured. Their worships, their livelihoods, their um, their traditions, their rituals, All of that was left alone. What was important was the state law, the society would be run according to the justice standard of the Sharia of Islam. We don't find that today. So we have to first establish that and then we can start returning that justice to all of the occupied lands. Palestine being the most obvious sore thumb right in the middle and the heart of the Muslim land, that has to be the starting point for all all of the world to see
0: um inshallah brothers if you've got any, or sisters if you've got any questions or comments inshallah if you can uh, put your comments uh, in the comment section or your questions in the comment section inshallah uh, unfortunately on facebook there's no uh, ability to talk to you directly or get a response from yourselves so inshallah if you can uh, write in the comment section um yeah you were talking uh, in your talk about um, the leaders of the Muslim world and the fact that they signed this uh, so-called agreement um, with the Americans. Um, but the, these leaders are not really representative of the Muslim Ummah, are they? I mean, uh, in the various Muslim countries that we look at, uh, they rule by force or they rule by, by an elite group of people who themselves are corrupt. Um, so it doesn't seem to be any legitimate uh, leadership in the world. And uh, as an example, uh, you know, Pakistan... Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and I could go on. I mean, every single Muslim country in the world that I've thought about um, you know, falls within these sort of categories. Um, so if these people uh, don't have any legitimacy, um, then how can they actually um, be representative for us as Muslims? And how do we actually change this status quo where they're in power um, as despotic leaders and uh, bring back this... Uh, um, uh, worthy Khilafah or this uh, noble uh, Khilafah that the Prophet sallam uh, uh, told us about, and he himself established it in Medina.
1: Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> you're absolutely right. We don't have representative rulers anywhere in the Muslim land. We find that they have been imposed on us by force. Um, every single place you go to, you find there is a heavy police force. It is uh, usually has a secret police element to it, which is there to intimidate. And most people can give you stories. Of when their neighbor, their friend, their cousin was disappeared, you know many times they just disappear for years on end, sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't, sometimes they get a trial, many times they don't it's the, the injustice and oppression is the norm, and these are all dictatorships by any other name you know they might some of them claim to be democracies or whatever it's just another way of describing a dictatorship where they have some you know some pretence at, uh you know at uh, you know of, of saying the people have chosen this rule or whatever, but everybody knows it's fake it's all by intimidation and, and force, and occasionally it's uh you know the 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 rulers have been overthrown because because everybody knew that that was just a dictator who was in, intimidating them, but then the the opposition parties they themselves really they're just their goal is only ever be, to become the next dictator you know put themselves into the, the, the favoured friend of America. So rather than seeing that they have the strength, they've overthrown the president, they could now take over and, and literally rule with Islam or rule for the people, you know, literally just say, let's just say, rule what the people want. In the end, they end up, you know, listening to America and, and and following an American plan or a British plan in some cases or a French or a European plan, but mostly America these days. and And, and again, betraying the people. So this is what we've recently seen in Sudan, you know, the so-called... It it is a movement which was, you know, steered and diverted from outside, i.e. the Americans, in order to maintain their influence in the land. You know, the same thing we're seeing in Libya, except for it's not clear which side is going to win. The Europeans have their favoured agent, the Americans have their. The same in Yemen. So we're seeing a civil war situation because the the outside powers cannot settle who is going to be the legitimate, i.e. legitimate in their eyes, i.e. the ruler that they will recognize. The same thing in Tunisia. We're seeing the, 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 the people overthrew the president, they overthrew the regime, but in reality, many elements of the original regime remain in place. And so now you find people who are vying and, and argue amongst themselves to, 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 you know, to present themselves. We say we're on, on, on the side of the people, but in reality, they're on the side of the colonialists and they're not there to, to, do, to, to do anything else. So all of these attempts to remove our fake leaderships. Have failed, and they will continue to fail because they lack objective. They have no goals. The goal is always either just to just to you know it's a short term goal, just remove the oppressor, and then you say well, what are you going to replace him with, and there isn't an answer. Or the, the the goal is basically to remove the oppressor and align ourselves with Europe or align ourselves with America, and then we'll start to get all these great economic loans, these packages. IMF will come and shower money over us, and everything will be solved. And this is. Well, who comes up with an idea like that? They have to have studied in a Western university, been completely indoctrinated by capitalist economics to think that that's even viable and have absolutely no confidence in their own people. That's the kind of person who comes up with this kind of solution. And worse than that, worse than all of that, they don't have any tawakkul They don't have any reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though they claim to be Muslim. Even though they stand up and they say Islamic words from their mouths, in reality... It's just words. It does hardly goes beyond their throat because they don't look to Islam to solve any of their problems. But that's not the Ummah's situation. That's not the leader who who they're looking for. And and actually that's proof that they don't represent the Ummah because the Ummah are, are, are an Islamic Ummah. The Ummah that really wants Islam but they're being betrayed by these traitors every day. So the real, so this last part of your question was how do we bring that back? Well, that's not a five-minute discussion but in a nutshell... It means there has to be a real genuine political movement which is opposing the current politicians and exposing the current politicians and offering a new breed of politician, an actual aware politician, somebody who is in reality a statesman, not merely a lackey of the West, somebody who actually has solutions and ability to offer solutions which rely upon the Quran and Sunnah as their basis and they rely upon you know, understanding the reality and understanding how to implement them. You know, this is the kind of people and the kind of uh, politicians that the the ummah deserves and is looking for, and that is the kind of people we need to support. We need to grow them from amongst ourselves, and we need to promote them, and we need to support them, and push them, um, you know, wherever we can, so the ummah can start to see that Islam has solutions, that Islam has the ability to solve the problem, and we don't need to go to the West. That we have our own internal strengths. Our our resources do not need to be resources. To serve Western interests, there could be resources to serve the Islamic interest, the Muslim Ummah, and the Dawa to the whole world. That's the Islamic interest. So, if we heard the politicians speaking like this and talking like this and actually proposing Islamic solutions, you would find all of the all of the Muslim Ummah come running towards them. But that is those such people are the targets of the current regimes. That is the person that the regime wants to suppress and and prevent the Ummah from hearing. They 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 you know they 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 make a big show. About these, um, you know, these so-called—they like to use the word terrorist or jihadist or or violent opposition—they make a big song and dance about these people for one reason, because they want to frighten all the all all the ordinary people of the ummah. They say anybody who calls for Islam is like that. He's like shallow-minded. He's, uh, you know, he's going to destroy you. He's going to betray you. He's only after power for his own sake. And look, he's going to kill you all in the process. That's the. That's why they support. Islamic State, you know, not the real Islamic State, but the group that called itself the Islamic State, Baghdadi's group. That's why they support these al-Qaeda. They claim to be in opposition to them, but in reality, they're promoting them and they're they're funding and and they're helping them. Why? Because they want to give the dawah carriers a bad name so they can tar everybody the same brush and say they're all terrorists. But of course, we need to go beyond that. We need to say, look. That method, that violent method, has got no basis in Islam. It's nothing to do with us. We don't adopt it, we don't support it. We need to show them the method of change is a political change. It means changing the politicians. It means changing the mentality of of, of the politicians and it means changing the expectation of the Ummah towards their politicians. So it's a political struggle more than anything else. And and it has no place, you know, in these so-called democratic, democratic changes. All these revolutions which go nowhere, all these violent, you know, oppositions which end up just, you know, just creating chaos and misery for everybody. Um,
0: Brother Abu Subhan asks the question, um, why would we treat them justly after what they have done to our brothers and sisters? And I can't see them leaving the place without causing destruction.
1: I mean, Islam has no place for pessimism. So firstly, you know, Allah is the one who decides what will happen and what won't happen. And our job is only to follow the sharia. So the, the, the question of justice, we're the ones who stand up for justice. You know, the Muslim ummah has always been the ummah that the moment that the enemy surrendered, we treat them with justice. We're not the ummah that sought revenge. We're strictly forbidding from chasing the, 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 the you know, uh, soldiers in a battlefield and not allowed to mutilate the 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 the, you know the bodies or the the or to torture the prisoners of those who've captured or those who who've been fighting them if the mus if if the enemy was to revert to it you know come to islam to convert to islam in the battlefield the war stops immediately or that for that individual it's we we treat them with justice we don't hold the grudges so we're not motivated by revenge we're motivated by justice and the quran and sunnah is our standard of justice and rasulallah he treated his enemies with justice the Sahaba, when the, when the Arabs rebelled against them, rejected Islam and fought against them, they, they, those who were defeated, they taught them with justice. those who repented and came back to Islam, they made them leaders again, and, and, and they became the greatest leaders because they truly repented. So our standard is very, very different to those to the standard we've seen in the world today. You know we see tribal wars where there's hatred based on nothing and it's merely a hatred of the tribe. You know, the Western media loves to portray and promote the idea that Muslims are so fanatical in our hatred of the Jews, they say, that we just really want to bring slaughter and injustice to the Jews everywhere. They're always trying to capture us, uh, trick us and get us to say something silly in Western media that would, uh, you know, make, make that implication. And that's not the Islamic way. We're not like that. We don't treat the Jews with injustice. We treat the Jews with justice, just like we treat the Christians with justice. We don't treat the occupier with, with justice while he's occupying. The justice that we treat him with is, is the just solution, which is to remove the occupation. But the moment he stops occupying, we have no we have no calm against him. We have no complaint anymore. He's an ex-occupier, not a current occupier. So we don't look to what he did do, we look to what he's currently doing. And if he's no longer occupying, why would we why would we want to chase them and you know and and, and, and bring in justice? If they resist the change, then of course, you know, we're going to have to remove them. Well, you know. However, that happens. But the the ideal solution is we we you know we 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 say to them, look, this is the this is the reality. The 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 um the army is defeated. You 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 have no you know um no ability to to continue you know this resistance. It's futile. Time to leave. Time to go. And this is where we're going to put you know getting get you to go. And we'll even you know provide transport for you to get there. And we'll even you know provide accommodation when you get there. That's the, the the standard of justice the world needs to see, is that the Muslims are not bent on hell bent on revenge. We're bent, we're not bent at all. We're we're, we're driven by the Quran and Sunnah, and we are, and, and the Quran and Sunnah demands us to treat humanity as humanity, not not the animals the way the, the the world treats you know the Muslims and the world treats you know anybody that they disagree with. So that's what drives us.
0: Um tell you on that point? Uh, some might argue that there's an established uh, Sharia principle or rule um, that says that usurped land should be returned to its proper owner um, with a severe penalty imposed on the usurper. Um, so not necessarily upon the general people, but upon the usurper of that land.
1: You, could, you can say these things if you want. These are political decisions you make, you know. So you could, you, you could do that or you could not do that. The, the important point is it's for a judge to decide the actual punishment. This isn't something which is a had, which is a, something mentioned clearly in the Quran as a, as a, as a, as a, or, or the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu well Alaihi Wasallam as an, uh, you know, an established had from the Hudud of Allah. This isn't like that. So yes. this will be, uh, you know, the individual could be subjected to a ta'ziri punishment, but don't forget all of this con, all of this is in the context of a state which is already established. Those crimes which are committed outside of a state are not treated in the same way as as, as uh, under criminal law. Why? Because the jurisdiction and the, the criminal law wasn't established at that point in time. So we don't go, go, we don't look to all the criminals that have committed crimes and say, right, retrospectively, we're now going to try you for all the crimes that, 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 that um, you committed according to the sharia, which should have been in place but wasn't in place. We can't do that and we won't do that. Absolutely, you know, it's nonsense to expect that we would, um, you know, to, to do that. You know, and, and it, 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 you know, the, the standard... Or, or for this is the Nuremberg trials after you know, after the, the the German defeat you know after the Second World War that was not an example of justice for the world to see that was an example of revenge that's just revenge you know that was that was hatred and 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 people wanted to get there get it off their tra- get it off their chest that is not the standard that Muslims have adopted and that's why you see that um the Muslims uh, when they when this is called the futuhat hat we call them the futuhat hat we don't call them, you know, sometimes it's translated as conquest. We don't really call it the conquests. These are openings when Islam is opened to us the land is open to Islam. Because the reality is, is that justice prevails from the first day. And you found the people who had previously been, um, you know, opposed and, and standing in the face of Islam, you found that they were in in reality, um, they became Muslim. They weren't treated harshly. They had to pay you know, taxes, usher, on their land if they if it had been uh a land which had been fought over, but that's—it's not so much a punishment. It's just that's the Islamic rule on the land. And if you call it a punishment, fine. That's a punishment because the the Haraji land, the land which was you know, which where, where the people, um, you know, voluntarily gave, gave, you know, accepted the Islamic rule and didn't you know, oppose and fight against the, you know, the the, Muslim, the the Islamic state. There's no tax on the on the, on that land. That 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 the the produce of that land is entirely for the people. Other than the zakat which is upon every Muslim everywhere, so you find, you know, our standard of justice is so very, very different to what the people have witnessed in the world, and it's about time that we send them a very clear message. Yes, we don't um, accept occupation. Yes, we will deal harshly with uh, um, with, with 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 those who transgress and, and oppress on the earth, but we're not we're not driven by revenge. You know, that's this is beneath us. You know, in the, the the way the the Western you know. In reality, Western states, they're they're hell-bent on revenge.
0: Um, uh, Brother Idris asks a question. Uh, The Jews say they have a right to the land of Palestine from the biblical perspective and from the perspective
1: of the Torah. Is this true? And how do we counter these claims? I mean, it's meaningless. You can just go back to any, you know, if you're just going to say, just like this, just, just bring up any point in, you know, in history, anybody's claim, and you can say, well, I've got a really, really old book and I claim this, and, 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 and it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. The fact is that land was legally owned by the Palestinian people. The deeds are still there. You can still see. I mean, this is less than, less than 70 years ago, you know, or thereabouts, you know. It's uh, you've, just over 70 years, in fact. You've got the, the legal documents all there showing who the legitimate owners of that land is i purchased and the deeds in their name and it's been stolen from them so it's 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 a recent crime this isn't a discussion about ancient rights and who has who has those ancient rights i mean you, it's 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 futile to go down down that road because it it never ends it doesn't actually solve the problem at all just whoever has the oldest claim then therefore has the right to that land that's not the way it works you know a land you know once a land has been um you know has been you know uh, once the people have adopted a system and a rule, then it is the people themselves that are, uh, the, uh, are the ones who 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 accept that. If another person comes from outside of that land and says, well, I, I, you know, I really want to take that land. I'm going to take it. And here's my justification. You can't call that justice. You have to call that injustice. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many, even, even the logic, which is the, you know, the Torah and the biblical arguments that are used to justify this, they're contradictory, you know, so, and, and, the, the source itself cannot be trusted you know who can stand who can actually say that that torah 100% of it, all those words actually are uh, came from a divine source are are actually truthful who can say that you know and even if you were to go down that road and say allah is the you know is 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 the one who protected you know let, let's say the jews believe that allah is the one who protected their torah and therefore their um the the the, the their rules are uh, well, they don't even find those rules in their own book. You find that the, the, the religious Jews, the orthodox Jews, many of them actually oppose that and say it's forbidden for them to be in Al-Quds and, and the surrounding area. So you find that the not only are their own justifications contradictory, but the source they rely upon is unreliable. And more importantly, think, look at the logic. If you're saying that Allah is the one who bestowed that land on you, well, Allah also sent more prophets after that. And he said, Isa salam who was killed. And you sent Muhammad wasallam as the last and final prophet. And this is the same Allah, only one of them. This is the only one creator. And so his sharia has changed. He's abrogated that law and replaced it with the law of Muhammad wasallam. So if we're going to use Allah's law as a standard, as we should be, then we have to accept the Islamic rule. It's the only law that, that can actually be truthfully traced back to a prophet. Everything else has a spurious link to a prophet because we can't actually verify the authentic- authenticity of those texts. And even if we could, we can verify the authenticity of the later prophet and his law necessarily abrogates the previous law. So you can you, you can discuss it in so many ways to show the flawed logic and say this isn't about a religious right. This has got nothing to do. Zionism has never been about religion. Zionism is not. Yes, it, it uses the uses the Jews and it uses the the, the the Jewish name. But the Zionists themselves, many of them, not even Jews. The Zionist project is not a Jewish project. It was not born out of Judaism. It is a Zionist project purely for the sake of occupying a piece of the Muslim land because it's part of a colonialist objective. It doesn't have any basis whatsoever. So Britain didn't support it because they cared about the Jews. They supported it because they really, really wanted to oppose the Ottoman Empire. America does not support uh, the <coughs> the occupation of Palestine because it cares about the Jewish residents there or any of their objectives. It actually opposes them. It's in conflict with 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 their interests. It, it it wants the Zionist occupation to be subservient to it, and it doesn't want to do that. But its primary goal is to dominate that area and to and to have you know um, effectively a an, an occupation in Muslim land to make sure that we're always divided. We don't return to the Khilafah that is their primary goal and why they need to have that state there from their own objectives. And that's what we really need to, need to expose, that this injustice isn't a discussion about religion. But if, we, if you want a discussion about religion, then we should bring a discussion about religion, and then we should show them the aqid of Islam is correct and that the sharia of, of, of Islam is the real just solution. I mean, not this crazy, you know, travesty of injustice that we see today. Zuckla, Karen, yeah?
0: oh, God, do you think? Um, uh, Kosar Abu Zara uh, asked the question: Some say that the majority of the people are against the move towards normalisation. If that's the case, how is it that these rulers can get away with the betrayal when the majority are against it?
1: Well, I mean, that's the that's the point we raised right at the first question. It was uh, you know it's intimidation. The rulers are not there because they deserve to be there. They're there because they've imposed themselves on the people. Nobody elected any of these um, rulers. Nobody um, elected the kings. Nobody agreed to the kings. The kings were put there by the British, and they remain there. And they are the ones who hold the security. And they even put their own family members in there, in jail, in prison, if they even feel a slight threat from them. So, what about the rest of the people? They rule through an iron fist. They rule, rule through intimidation, torture, oppression, imprisonment. That's the only reason they're there. And they give these 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 lame justifications. They used to make a bit more effort. Are given a lame justification. They used to have a few more lackeys and um academics around them, and scholars and so-called, you know, ulama to um to to back them up. Now they don't even bother. They they they've believed in the Trump mantra, the, the the Trump you know way of doing things, which is like even if you're caught out in a lie, just say no, I didn't, no, I didn't, I didn't lie, no, no fake news. That's the way they speak now. They 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 feel emboldened by Trump to the point where they don't feel they even need to they need to even pacify their own people anymore. But in some places, you see they do play the Islamic card. You know, Erdogan in uh, in in Turkey does play the Islamic card in order to justify to the people. The people know that he's he's not really very Islamic, but it kind of gives them an opportunity to kind of like you know um, to be pacified a little bit, little bit. You know, and 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 the, and the saddest part of all of this is that is is the false belief that we don't have the power to change, that we're not capable of changing these rulers ourselves. That is. The overwhelming reason why these rulers still get away with it is because we as an Ummah haven't realized what our true potential is. And that's what we need to really work on and focus the Ummah on reminding them that you you have the ability to change, you have the power. And actually the only reason you still have this rule over you is because you you feared him and you should have feared Allah.
0: Inshallah, we have another question from Muhammad Nasir. Uh, Or actually a comment, possibly. Um, Those who talk about the economic benefits in normalizing relationships with the Jewish entity, where is the economic prosperity that Egypt achieved when it normalized relations with the Jewish entity through the Camp David Accords of 1978? Where is the economic prosperity that reigned uh, upon Jordan when it signed the Wadi Arabah Treaty with the Jewish entity in 1994? When the head of the Palestinian organization, the PLO, Yasser Arafat, signed the Oslo Accords in 1993, what economic prosperity did the Muslims of Palestine witness? It is Haram to acknowledge the Jewish entity in exchange for any worldly benefit, and there is no benefit for Muslims in Haram.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a true point, isn't it? You know, the, 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 benefits, the economic benefits are in the hands of a tiny, tiny elite, just like they are in Britain and America, but in the Muslim lands it's more pronounced. So. Those few handful of Palestinian Authority officials and their supporters—they're the ones who reap all the benefit, all the economic benefit of this so-called peace that they have with the occupation next door. The same for the King of Jordan and his regime, and those those few traitors that are willing to join him. With the same with the Mubarak regime and now the Sisi regime, The, the 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 benefits aren't for the people. It's not for Egypt or the people. The benefit is purely for that ruling family, that ruling elite. And nobody else and that's that needs to be exposed that why are you doing this you're going to lose in this life and the next what 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 kind of logic is that it's 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 just it, it defies logic
0: yeah um i i was also reading a comment here um uh, this is a comment actually from a baghsani journalist um on um i think um, uh, online uh when this whole uh, process was taking place in terms of finding these agreements um and he says that uh he comments that this is a huge historic development the uae has recognized israel and decides decided to establish normal diplomatic ties with an erstwhile enemy state it's a massive lesson for pakistan as it remains steadfastly attached to arab interest while choosing its foreign policy just thought i'd mention that the, some interesting comments from uh, people from around the world there um so inshallah brothers and sisters if you've got any further comments uh, please go ahead and uh, put a comment in the comment section there inshallah um, here yeah, yeah, I just you know, wanted to mention that uh, Allah says in Surah father uh, truly Satan is an enemy to you so treat him as an enemy and um, when we talk about enemies and uh, when we're talking about for example Britain, France, America um, and the other nations that support to the Zionist entity um, here are we talking about the individual people like uh, Stephen or Joe or Bill who's the, who are my neighbours and uh, the people that I work with um, uh, when Allah wa ta'ala is saying truly Satan is an enemy and uh, so treat him as an enemy um, who, who are we actually talking about?
1: well you've got to be very careful making like you know I don't like to use the word layman because that's not really an Islamic concept. We don't really have a clergy and a layman division. But you've got to be careful about making these kind of, you know, these flippant tafsirs of the Qur'an without trying to understand the language or try to understand the context of the ayah or understand the rest of the ayahs in the Qur'an. When we find this, we find these very emotional, um, you know, flippant tafsirs of a hadith and so on. It's why the whole... You know, it's very, very common to find Muslims who are absolutely obsessed with jinn and jinn occupying your body and you know possession and stuff like that. It has no real basis in Islamic texts whatsoever, but superstition and black magic and stuff like that is is rife. It's the same with this discussion here: is that people take an ayah or a hadith, they they they, they, they misunderstand it in a in a in a very very you know extreme way, and they 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 they, they describe they make it become dominant over their whole personality. This one Simple misunderstanding. So these kind of ayah that talks about the shaytan, it's it, it has to be understood on multiple levels. It's not merely a simple, you know, um, a straightforward. Oh, you know, you know, it, it is a jinn, you know, and only a jinn. There's more than that. There are there are shayateen who are you know who 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 come from people who support the objectives of shaitan and under the influence of shaitan. Not that shaitan controls them, but shaitan is that, you know, because um, Allah also exposed that they don't have control over you. It's merely that you you, you listen to them or obeyed them, that was their control over you. So it's a voluntary control. However, it's people who've chosen kufr, they've chosen disbelief, they've chosen to be enemies of justice and enemies of Islam. So we would describe that kind of person or that kind of jinn as, as, as the shayateen. However, what is the rule related to such people? Actually, they don't have a special rule that now we've categorized them as team. we have a special um, special category of actions and how we respond to them. The reality is it's like we have our own relations defined to us by Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba. So they established diplomatic relations with external states, people who, who had at that point in time rejected Islam, but they had relationships with them. So we have relations, external relations, state to state. However, there is a type of state which is at war with you. Which is actually trying to undermine you. It's, you know, whether it's a cold war or an actual war, but they're, they are, they are, you know, they're at loggerheads and they're trying to do, you know, to damage and harm you. This kind of relationship has a very different kind of relationship. Even then the actual, you know, the, 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 the war itself, the fight is reserved for the battlefield and nowhere else. So we don't bring the battlefield to the people's homes. We're absolutely expressly forbidden from doing that. Unlike, you know, the, the, the British in the second world war and the Americans, they bombed. Dresden, they destroyed the town and all the people in it, in their homes. They bombed Nagasaki and uh, you know, and Hiroshima. That is the standard of what they call a just war is actually just annihilation of anybody who gets in their way of their objectives. That's not the Islamic way at all. So we don't treat the um, the, the 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 non-combatants, i.e. the the civilian people, um, in the same way as we treat a combatant, i.e. somebody who's a soldier on the battlefield in the theatre of war. It's not enough that he's just wearing a uniform or he says something supportive of the army. He has to be in the place on the battle of war. And then you have what, we, you know, everybody knows them. the rules of engagement. It's the same thing in Britain. You have um, the soldier has rules of engagement. But that doesn't mean that, you know, let's just say the the, the soldier has a um, has a mission in, uh, I don't know, choose a land where they're where they're fighting. Let's say, he, he, uh, let's say during the Falklands War, he had a um, a, a, a specific mission. To, to to take back um, uh, Falklands Islands from the Argentinians. That doesn't mean that same soldier can wander around and find an Argentinian club in, uh, in 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 the streets of London and start shooting up. That's absolutely forbidden. Nobody would accept that. And we're exactly the same. We don't accept that. We don't accept tra- chasing, defining the enemy by their nationality, or defining the enemy by their you know just because they happen to be you know have a particular idea in their head or be supportive or of 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 a regime which is a which is, you know, trying to occupy us or whatever. That's not the way we conduct our relationship with that person. We conduct our relationship with the Sharia of Islam. So unless they are on the battlefield, in the theatre of the war itself, then we're not going to harm them in any way. Outside of that, you know, we have normal relationships with them. But we're not going to help that state in its military effort against the Muslims. Why would we do that? So we're not going to, you know, a, a, a state which is attacking us, we're not going to sell them weapons or sell them arms. We're not going to help their war effort against the Muslims in any way. That would be foolish. And, you know, n- nobody could accept for us to do that. So so clearly, no, you know, it's, it's, it's a fabrication against Islam and exaggeration that somehow jihad uh, um, and they call it jihad, but we don't call that jihad. Somehow jihad means chasing people in the street who happen to disagree with killing people willy nilly in the street because they don't have the same religion as you or whatever. This is the this is the western hypocrisy this is their doing and something that they've created it's nothing to do with us or islam
0: um, inshallah i've come across um, uh, a comment uh, that referred to, to uh, one of the muslim leaders um, of turkey now um, turkey by some has been seen as uh, being islamic uh, because their leader erdogan the is able to recite quran um, and um, he opened up the Hagia Sophia uh, recently, but I came across this comment uh, here. It says, when we return to the issue of normalization of ties with a Zionist entity, then the position of President Erdogan is most uh, galling, his condemnation of the UAE's decision to normalize ties with the Zionist entity belies the huge political, economic, and diplomatic ties that exist between his regime and the Zionist entity. His adoption of the Palestinian cause is simply lip service, pandering to an increasingly conservative electorate, but his actions, similar to what he has done in Syria, are more akin to U.S. foreign policy objectives than any interest that Turkey may have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that. That's, that's accurate. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we are the ones, actually, we're the ones obsessed with the so-called Islamicness of Erdogan and his party. In reality, you know, people in Turkey don't buy it. It's not really, it's not really seen as Islamic leader. And they're not really seen as Islamic party. They don't do anything Islamic but they use the word Islam occasionally. And, and honestly, I think it's, it's, it's got some internal consumption. It's aimed at, but it's also you know, aimed at the, the, the naive followers of, of, of Erdogan outside. And somehow they want to justify their inaction, and they're doing nothing for the dawah of Islam and the return of the Khilafah by, by saying, well, we've got Erdogan, give him a chance. Give him another decade chance. Go on, give him another decade chance. Just keep on giving them a chance. Really, you're just saying you want to sit around and do nothing. And that's why you want to keep giving this guy, or you want everybody to get, you know, to give him a chance. I mean, that, that, I, that's the way I see it. I can't see that there's any, any purpose or any goal in constantly going on about Erdogan and how he's not very Islamic. He isn't. Okay, fine, let's move on. The whole country is not very Islamic. What's the solution? The solution is, and we really should be talking about the solution for Turkey, which is the bringing back of Khilafah and how it's going to solve the many problems that Turkey has. Whether their leader happens to put on an Islamic clothing from time to time is, is actually, you know, neither here nor there.
0: Yeah. And, um have for that. Uh, Brother Idris has a comment, I think, uh, he says that even from the biblical perspective of returning the Jews to Israel, surely the Palestinian Arab Jews and even the Palestinian Christians have more of a right over Palestine than the white uh, Axe Nazi Zionist Jews, white can't. Zionists are not worthy to the land of Palestine.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could bring up history and you could debate history, and it's it's all unreliable. Whether you're talking about the history of the the Jews from Europe who converted to Judaism, or you're talking about the history of the Bible, the history of the Torah, it's all history, you know. And and and, and you're, that is a debate that's never going to end, and it's going to go on and on and on because somebody's going to say that their source is more reliable than your source. So we can't solve it that way. And we can't solve anybody. And actually, nobody, no disputes are ever solved that way in reality. So disputes are solved according to legal documents, according to facts on the ground, according to, you know, in our case, the Quran and Sunnah, because now we have a basis for legislation. Any other kind of legislation is merely whims and desires of a majority. So what is the alternative solution for Palestine? Is a, it is a, a democratic state which is imposed upon? The people. So, what is a democratic state? It's a capitalist system which uh, favors the elite over the people. So, it's unjust in its very essence and nature. So, why would you call for more injustice when you want to solve the problem? Honestly, there's every solution which is proposed for this land is in just just more injustice and perpetuating colonial objectives one after the other. The only real solution will come with Islam, and that is our job to show the people the vision that Islam has for this land. Not to get into shallow debates about who has the most right to land. Just say, this is the solution. This is what the Khilafah will do for the residents of that land. This is what Islam does. And this is how we treat the Jews and the Christians. All non-Muslim citizens have certain rights. This is the reality. Very, very different to the way people perceive rights in the West. You know, most people, all foreigners are actually denied rights. You know? Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Um Um, I was thinking about something that you and I spoke about earlier uh, the whole issue of uh, the Muslim world and how the Muslim world seems to be very um, um, subservient in a way to uh, uh, the Western colonialists Uh, of course the Western colonialists actually ruled over the world uh, uh, for some time and uh, they've left some scars in the Muslim world and um, we can see from these scars that uh, there's uh, various people that we find who are still subservient, uh, as though they uh, still have a master and slave relationship uh, with the Western nations. Um, but Allah SWT says in Surah Muntana, uh, Allah only forbids you from those who fight you because of religion and expels you from your homes and aid in your expulsion, forbids that you make allies of them. And whoever makes allies of them, then it is those who are the wrongdoers. Um, so, uh, from, from what you said earlier, of course, you know we have uh, relations with our neighbours, we have relations with our uh, uh, friends and uh, colleagues at work. Uh, but here, Alasmandar is uh, uh, referring to the fact of not making allies of those people that uh, uh, usurp our land or those people who do, do wrong upon us. Um, so, um, you know, who is Allah talking about uh, here?
1: I mean, it's it's not really the place and I'm sure we don't have the time to go into a long detailed tafsir of these ayahs and talk about its many ramifications but the basic point is that Allah in the Quran many times talks about you know, not taking those who are your enemies as your friends and it's making a, a clear point not taking those who've insulted you or occupied your lands as your friends not taking the disbelievers as your friends and allies many times, this theme is recurring and, and you can find many ayahs Talk about it, and the practical implementation of that is in the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu and the Sahaba, who so did not make allies with the enemies. It doesn't make say make no alliances whatsoever. There's a whole series of, you know, books of about treaties and how to make treaties and what the terms of the treaties are. So we do make treaties. However, that is, that isn't the topic here. That is a state making a treaty with another state. That is not the situation where we have an Ummah who has an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation or individuals, sorry, in the Ummah, who have unrealistic expectations of a, a proven enemy, a colonial power who has no desire for to, to benefit you or, or better your situation, but only to take your resources or to use you as a stepping stone to get into somebody else's resources. That's always that that is what the, the Western capitalists have you know, of, of, of objectives in all of the Muslim lands and all of the what they call the Third World. So all of the lands which are not their own lands, they have those objectives. Even they have that rivalry and those objectives amongst each other. They wish to step on each other and to, to constantly outdo the other one. Even within their own nation, they're doing that. They're in a constant state of competition, and they, they have no holds barred. They do not recognize limits when it comes to how dirty this fight can get. And that's, that's their reality. It's proven reality. Everybody can see it. You witness it every day, and we've witnessed over 100 years of this. In fact, we've witnessed nearly 300 years of this capitalist disease and colonialism in our lands. So why would you take that person as your friend? Any sane person wouldn't. Any sane person would not trust them. However, we have a group from amongst the academics, the so-called scholars, these, you know, these ulama, basic people who've been educated with a Western education system and they look at Islamic texts through a Western lens. They have this hope upon hope. They have this unrealistic expectation that somehow these, these Western powers, these nations, are going to solve the problem and they have justice as their, um, as their goal. And, 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 and that either they're just lying to us and they're put on the payroll, or they're that naive that they just don't see the reality for what it is. They're so completely besotted. And you find in reality, it's probably the second category, that mostly they are just completely naive and they've been fooled by this, this rhetoric from the West. You know, and they have their own individual personality issues which means that they've got their own hatreds for the Muslims, so much, you know, even though they may be Muslim, but they have so much hatred for their own people that they, they prefer to turn to the West for their solutions. So this is a complex mentality of, of these kind of agents, whether they're paid up or not paid. The fact is they're promoted, promoting Western thought and ideas and solutions. So they are agents of the West because they're, they're, they're serving their agenda. So this kind of person you could not imagine turning to. But well, we find people who do turn to them, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Quran, He many times exposes this. How could you turn to that person? How could you go to those people? And makes explicitly clear: Do not go to that kind of person, because they've or those they, they that kind of you know, you know, state or you know, people. Because look, look, they you know, not only they can betray you, but it's it's actually forbidden to even put yourself in the situation where you could be betrayed that badly.
0: Oh. Um, unfortunately we're coming near to the end of our session today we'll just take um, last question or two uh, inshallah uh, brother Idris asks, if the khilafah was established over say syria jordan or iraq and egypt uh would it be a good strategy to go into israel to spark a mass rebellion throughout the rest of the muslim world
1: i mean there would be no need for that that's that 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 implies that the state you know which you know, the the questioner called Israel, which is really just a Zionist occupation, it's an entity, it's less than a state, that it has some kind of ability to remain there. You know, and truthfully, it doesn't have any ability to remain there. It remains there because the rulers of Egypt, of Syria, of Jordan and Lebanon, they keep it there. That's the real protector of that Zionist occupation. You know, people talk about America protecting it. It's not, yes, they they get given some American weaponry and and so on and so forth, but they don't need, you know, it, it's 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 that alone isn't going to you know guarantee their survival. You know even America has has extreme difficulty keeping its own troops safe when it's occupying parts even tiny small bases in Afghanistan in in in, in any place that it goes. America finds it extremely difficult to uh, to um to to sustain any kind of occupation, let alone look after an entire state which is hated by all of the surrounding region and 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 is just you know, is, is, is rejected by all of the people. So who does the protection in reality? It's the rulers and their apparatus, their security apparatus, which prevent the people from actually occupying that themselves. Even if they didn't have arms, they would do it. If it wasn't for the Assad regime, the Jordanian government, the the, the, the Lebanese and the, the Iranian party in Lebanon, and, uh, um, and and the Egyptian regime, it's them who actually protect it. So you take them out of the equation, and you've gone. I mean, who was it? I mean, I heard a quote uh, uh, last week um, from uh, Sheikh Nebahani. He said, uh, he said that the, the Zionist occupation. He was talking about that state. He said that is just the shadow of the Arab rulers. If the Arab rulers to go, the shadow will go with it. Truthfully, it exists only because they exist. If they were, if they were gone, there wouldn't be a problem anymore. There will be nothing there. It will be over in a few hours, not a few days. So there's no need to even, you know, talk about, you know, starting rebellions and uprising. That rebellion uprising started 70 years ago. The only people holding it back is the is the Arab regime.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely the case. here. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Suhalla, yeah. Um, inshallah, if, if you'd like to, um, did you want to finish off anything specific there, Yahya, uh, at all, before we round off?
1: Jazakullah khair. Thank you for inviting me. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah we will, uh, you know, increase our efforts and work together and pull more people, you know, together to, to, you know, to discuss these important topics and to, you know, raise the awareness in the Ummah, not just of the problem of Palestine, but the whole issue of justice, injustice, and how all people need to stand up and start, particularly in this, this world where injustice is now particularly prevalent. All people of the world should, should have a higher standard of what is justice. And we should be ready to explain what the Islamic standard of justice is, because truthfully, if people get to hear about it, they get attracted to it, and they will adopt that for themselves.
0: khair to yourself, Yahya, as well, for uh, giving such an engaging discussion.
1: Well, you
0: giving us some direction as well, alhamdulillah. Um, hopefully the brothers and sisters can go uh, away today and really understand uh, how we need to um, uh, behave. Um, and as we were discussing earlier, um, uh, Allah SWT has given us the honour of being Muslims It's a, it's a great honour to be a Muslim um, So let's rise to that uh, position of honour uh, By engaging in this struggle And by removing the systems in the Muslim lands And establishing the Islam, Islamic system The Khilafa system that uh, will inshallah uh, Protect us like a shield uh, But obviously we need to be engaged in this work We need to be engaged when the Khilafa comes and be ready uh, To actually support the Khalif and uh, support uh, the direction that the Prophet sallallahu has given to us. Um, so, uh, jazakal khair, Yahweh again, and jazakal khair, brothers and sisters, for attending. And inshallah, we shall reconvene next week. Uh, asalaamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa
1: alaykum asalaamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts On current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow and.